Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Nick Golner, and I'm joined by the lead singer of the Making Chips <laughs> rock band, Mr. Jim Carr. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm good. Where's our other band member? I don't know. He, he, he's taken the day off. Maybe he OD'd. <laughs> <laughs> he had a rough night, right? Yeah, he OD'd on work stress. Yeah, that's probably what it is. <laughs> It's okay. He could take a day off. We it's got right. this. I miss a lot of these too when I'm on the road. So. I know. Yeah, it's okay. You know, we got this. We got a great guest today. Can't wait to... Well, we'll tell this story about how I knew him years and years ago. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. It's a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. We're out of the tundra of Chicago. It's actually going to be 40-something today. So Maybe our pipes will unfreeze. Yeah, I know. We have frozen pipes at the Making Chips headquarters. We're yeah. looking forward to them thawing. Yes, please. But please. speaking about Rock Band. Yes, what about Rock Band? I can't wait to bump the sound at the Boring Bar. Oh, yeah, tell everybody what's going on. So, so we're going to do, every other month, we're going to do a happy hour at the Boring Bar for Making Chips clients, Making Chips guests. If you're in the Rockford area, you can reach out to us. We'll we'll get you an invite to this party. But basically, we have a bar. It's the Boring Bar. We have drinks at the bar. We now have a Sono system that we just approved. So we're going to have great music and yeah, it'll be a fun manufacturing party. The music is going to span decades for sure. Of course it will. For sure. And it's going to be good. No matter what, it's going to be good stuff. Absolutely. We need to celebrate. We need to celebrate as a community. We need to celebrate that the pandemic is slowly on its way out. Yes. And manufacturing is alive and well, and technology is driving all of that too. So isn't that all good news? It is all good news. So speaking of good news, Jim, we always do a positive kickoff. Give me some good news about car. This is really kind of funny. So I was at the office yesterday and I I tell my team every week that I'm going to be out of the office tomorrow recording. And one of my employees, Mike says, Hey Jim, would you do me a favor? He goes, I need a shout out for my brother-in-law. His name is Cameron Petrashevsky, and he was found diagnosed with a very rare cancer, much like leukemia, that develops in 600 to 800 people per year in the United States. It's not that many. It's not that many. He's a young guy. He is from Orland Park. He's a six foot six college basketball player at St. Xavier, and He only has two more weeks left of chemo and he is done. So we're thrilled for Cameron that his journey has ended so positively and we wish him much success in his future, in his career, and most importantly, his health. So Cameron, great job. We applaud you. and That's awesome for Mike, for Cameron, for Carr. Praise yeah. God. Awesome. So that's, that's my good news at Car this week. We, we like to share especially positive, positive news about people's health because- the older you get, it's really all about your health, and, and good health is, is very important. So that's what's new. And I've got many other good things, but we'll talk about that in a future podcast. Absolutely. I've got some really exciting manufacturing news, but we're not going to do it in the same format. Okay. Tell we're, me. Today, we're going to do, we gonna do a quiz style game show. Okay. I will be your host. Okay. Am I going to answer the questions? You are going to Is do, there money involved? You are going to try. Is it like gambling? If you get every question right, I will give you at least $5. At least $5. Okay. <laughs> Can I write that down? These are not easy. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, I am talked about this on a previous episode. I'm kind of... Re- so, this is a game show. Boom. Game show. Yeah. We, we should... We got to make some... We, have, we have to have some noise. Where's that Sonos system, We need right? the, like a jingle. Yeah. <laughs> we have a metaphor, which is if you're not making chips, you're not making money. We got to make We do song. need a jingle. We, need, we need some sound effects here. So... 
I'm restructuring sales at AME and Hennig. You know, are you in sales? I am. I'm oh, okay. Sales. And so I'm trying to figure out like where to put people and how to compensate them and how to structure this whole deal, right? So I do research and I go to the occupational employment and wages from the uh, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics for the category of machinists to see like, okay, my logic is if I know where all the machinists are and machinists obviously work on machines, I know where the machines are. I know like kind of how dense certain areas are and I know how much attention they would need from, you know, a salesperson who sells products to machinists. So right? you're, this is your research. I'm doing some research. Okay. And, I, and a lot of this was really interesting. Okay. And so I'm going to... You're going to throw out some questions. I'm going to make multiple choice questions and you're going to try to... How many guess. questions? I think we'll do like five. Should I do a tally? You got to keep right. your own score because I'm going to focus on hosting. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So again, I'll just define what is in this category. So people who set up and operate a variety of machine tools to produce precision parts and instruments out of metal includes precision instrument makers who fabricate, modify, or repair mechanical instruments may also fabricate and modify parts to make or repair machine tools or maintain industrial machines, applying knowledge of mechanics, mathematics, mental properties, layout, and machining procedures. Okay. Sounds like a CNC operator. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's what we're looking for. So operator or machinist. Okay. Because we know those aren't the same thing, right? Well, is it a programmer machinist or just... Yeah, machinist is like a higher level of an operator. Okay. So there's a number. How many people are employed? What's the what's the employment the number? grand total in the United States? In, of for the-, the United States. And then we'll get, we'll get regional after this. Is it 279,000? Is it 383,000? Is it 426,000? Or is it 544,000? A, B, C, or D? How many... And again, the, it's a the title that goes to CNC setup. Yeah. So this is from 2019. How many people were in this job according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics? C, 426,000. It was B. Oh, okay. 383. Well, I was only off by 50,000. I know. You, you were close. Actually, less than about 40, actually. Well, that so. was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So eh, I got that one wrong. The median hourly wage and the median annual wage, is it $13.43? For this role. For this role. $13.43? Hourly, which would be $27,940 annually, right? Okay. Is it $21.36, which would be $44,420 annually? Or is it $32.02, which would be $66? thousand six hundred and ten annually a b or c cnc setup in that description i read at the beginning oh this is tough because this is this is the whole united states yeah so you got to find the so, median right? yeah you got to find the me- median yes so we're talking about all the way from san francisco to alabama to mississippi to tennessee to chicago to new york right, right. and we're talking about different levels of Well, this is a lower level position. Not necessarily. So a high-end setup programmer, machinist guy. Oh, they're all wrapped up in one? They're all in there. But it could just be like someone who, who, you know, loads and unloads and pushes. Oh, definitely be $21.36. Ding, ding, ding. See? So that's the median. All right. I'm going to get some regional You know what it was? I asked the right questions. That's why I got that one right. He's good. So go ahead. I've been around for a couple of years. The next one. So employment of machinists by state. Okay, so this is, give me the top state, and I'm going to give you the top five, and you tell me which one's the top state. 
the top state for employment of this position that we yep. just talked about? Ohio, Michigan, Texas, Illinois, or California? I'm down to two. It's either Illinois or California. California. Yeah. See? He got it. All right. <laughs> well, there's 35 million people that live in right, California, right. right? So it, that wasn't too tough. But And I know that there's a lot of manufacturing that goes on in okay, California. Okay. Now, same five states. Which has the highest employment per thousand jobs out of those five? Illinois. Illinois is second to Michigan. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I didn't think it would be California. I, by the way, Illinois was second to California in total jobs as well. Okay, so. cool. All right. And let's do one more before we end this and actually start our Sure. Show. This is good stuff. Yeah. This so, is a little different. I like this. This one's going to go the location quotient of machinists by area. So it's going to be metropolitan areas with the highest concentration of jobs and location quotients in this occupation. So it's not the whole state. It's like, like regional, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you five. I'll give you the top five and you tell me which has the highest location quotient. Of machinists per capita. Yep. Machinists per capita. Right. Okay. Jackson, Michigan, Muskegon, Michigan, Columbus, Indiana, Sumter, South Carolina, Rockford, Illinois. Rockford, Illinois. I always say that. And I was wrong? I've been wrong. I've been lying to everybody. You have been. You're the one that told me that. I thought it was Rockford. It's, it's Jackson. Jackson, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. No kidding. Employment per thousand jobs is 20 in Jackson. Rockford, it's 14. Oh, well, it's pretty close. 14.35. Yeah. 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 So that's it. I mean, this is fun. By the way, I got this resource from Tony Schmitz, who was posting about like where, you know, he's doing similar research, trying to find out where people are taking his training classes are. So good resource, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. It's bls.gov. Are those the top five? For regions. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Now for metropolitan area on employment of machinists by area, Chicago, Naperville, Elgin, was first. Los Angeles, Long Beach, Anaheim was second. That makes sense. Detroit, Warren, Dearborn was third. Sure. Houston, the Woodlands, and Sugarland, Texas was mm -hmm. fourth. And then Minneapolis, St. Paul, Bloomington was fifth. So cool. All right. Well, you, Good stuff. you didn't get them all right, but I you didn't. did better than I thought you were. Yeah, you honestly. can buy me a drink instead of giving I, me five I will. bucks. I'll get you a free one at the boring bar. That's good. I like it. Should we do this episode? Let's though? do it. We got a good guest. We do. We have a great guest. So our guest has over 20 years of manufacturing experience, ranging from implementing successful process improvement initiatives to creating and maintaining quality assurance and product sampling systems. He has more than 10 years of experience in the machine tool and work holding industry specifically. He has worked in executive and technical positions for major work brands. Our guest's broad experience includes a hands-on background in service and applications, expanding into field sales and sales management. Welcome to the show, Eric Nekic of Fifth Axis Workholding. Thank you for having me, guys. Eric, welcome. Hey, it's great to be here. Good to see you again. Yeah. And we'll get to that in just a minute. <laughs> yeah, so he's a new connection of mine. Yeah. Um, Amrock's a workholding integrator for Fifth Axis products, so that's like how I end up knowing whoever runs sales for all of my partners and you're pretty new to the job. So I was excited to meet you and we met for the first time in person just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. But it turns out he already knew Jim because who doesn't know Jim? <laughs> so why don't you tell that story, Jim? Yeah. Well, I've been around for a couple more years than you have. Just probably. a few. Just a few. Just a few. <laughs> a couple more just decades. A few more years. Yeah. Just a couple more decades, but that's okay. You might have more energy. Than I, I might have some, a little bit some more. Days. Yeah. But it's great to it's great to see you again, Eric. So tell Likewise. us you tell the story of how we met and and or we think what year it was. Well, I think it was 2012, but I know at that time I was working for a German workholding company that was looking to start manufacturing some of their products here in the in the states. Mm -hmm. 
And for the life of me, Jim, I apologize. I can't remember who referred you, but I do specifically remember that at that time, you were one of the only manufacturers. You know, you had like this really cool YouTube video kind of showing your capability, kind of a great view of car, machine, and tool. And so I remember getting you on the phone and, and you drove up to Heartland, Wisconsin. I did. Yeah. Really bad rainstorm that day, but I drove up there in my Chevy Suburban and I was fine. And it was great. We, we I met your- Yeah, it was would have been my colleague uh, yeah. at the time, Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten. Absolutely. It, it wasn't a good fit for car at that time, but that's okay. You're, you're at a, a great company now, which is yeah. a much better fit for car from the other side. And we'll get into that, but I want to pause for a second to just highlight what what you just said, we believe that content creates opportunities. That's why we focus so much on creating content, whether it's our podcast, sure. things that our agencies are are creating for our clients. And what was the differentiator there? It was the video, right? Well, yeah. I mean, at that time, we were a, we were just two people. So the idea of you know me leaving the office for a day to go visit multiple facilities just wasn't in the cards. So it was really great to have that view inside that facility and learn a little bit more about that company, you know. So no, that's really interesting. We heard from one of our clients: if a prospect comes in and does a tour of their facility, they have a ninety-plus percent chance of closing. I could not agree with you more. And then now it's like, okay, COVID, like there's, it's hard to get people in, right? So we were like, okay, how do we tell that same story and and create that same experience by with content? Yeah. So really awesome to hear that, and I always have to point it out because I'm a marketing nerd. And I, I just got to commend you, Nick. I know this is totally off basis, but your your beard looks good. I, yeah. <laughs> I know. I just, I, I'm looking at this guy across the yeah. table and I'm like, yeah, it's growing in nicely. So shout out to Marin. You're not barber. a young boy anymore. <laughs> no, he does yeah. a good job. Marin the barber. You are not listening, but if you are, yeah. everyone likes looks your work. Good, brother. Yeah. So I think from there then, maybe a few emails every couple of years back and forth for about a decade and now... Now you're here as a guest here on Making Ships, and we're, yeah. you're going to tell us your story, which is even better. Yeah, so let's hear that. Yeah. Uh, everyone's got an origin story, so what's yours? How did you get into manufacturing? Yeah, I mean, so in, in 1997, I had a friend who was operations manager at a manufacturing facility in northeastern Wisconsin. You know, I had never at that point, been in, inside a manufacturing facility. So you get in there and, you know, I, I've always said with manufacturing, you either know right away that it's what you're, oh, yeah. you know, what you're put here to do. And and it was just, I just fell in love with it instantly. And he was an awesome mentor and really kind of got me into, you know, lean manufacturing, process improvement, quality, like just all those, you're looking at a process and being able to, you know, measure it and then come up with creative ways to improve it. Yeah. Right? Get rid of the waste, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I did that for about a decade. And, you know, in 2008, moved back to southeastern Wisconsin and shortly thereafter kind of started with getting into the work holding actually in like the machining side of manufacturing. And it was such a natural fit because really, you know, the modular work holding components that we offer now and then, I mean, they just, they really speak to that level of how can we take this process and improve it, you know, in all facets, right? The time it takes to get it done, the standardization, right, the list right. goes on. And I, th- I think what's interesting to me is so many of these work holding companies that everyone recognizes, the popular brands, they were all born out of their own necessity. So maybe not all of them, but a lot of them started as their own shop doing contract machining work like what Jim does. And then they needed a better mousetrap to get rid of some of that waste. And then they end up, like in our case, my uncle ended up implementing grids on everything so we didn't have to indicate vices. And now we sell grid plates and we sell tombstones with grid patterns, right? Tell me a little bit about Fifth Axis and how they evolved from a contract manufacturer into a work holding brand. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a really similar story, right? I mean, they start in 2004 with just one CNC machine. And, you know, fast forward over 15 years, and now they've got over 50, you they know? They were all, they, 2004, they, for such a big brand, you'd think they'd be older. I was ready for like a 1985 or something right. like right. that. Right, no. But they've grown quickly. They have grown, yeah, they've grown really quickly. But I mean, you know, similar story to what you just described, Nick, you know, the the manufacturing challenges that they face within their own facility, you know, especially job shop, you know, where turning those things around quickly is imperative. Right. So everything, you know, it's kind of neat when you look through like a very comprehensive catalog of modular work holding components, you literally can see each one's designed kind of to solve one of those challenges. Right. And I also like to point out that that's how those things kind of become battle-hardened, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if they've worked in our facility for five years, they're going to work in yours, you know? Exactly. <laughs> we say that all the time. Like, we use the stuff that we're selling to mm -hmm. use it. Where was that first facility in 2004? San Diego, California. San Diego. Okay, yep. I didn't know that. And it's still to it this day. Still, still, in, still San in San Diego, Diego California. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was one person, a privately owned company. It's probably still privately owned, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. The owners are Chris Taylor and Stephen Michelle Grangetto. Okay. And they were probably two mechanical guys that started their own machine shop. Absolutely. Just like so many of us out there in the metalworking nation have done. And they were had a problem. They had a problem. And they said, well, why can't we do this just a little bit better? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, problem this, becomes a product. This, I don't need this big 70 pound vice anymore. Right. When I, when I got to put it on a little tiny mini mill or something like that. Absolutely. And we, we can't put 15 of those 70 pound vices on a tiny mini mill. Right. Especially when you get into like the horizontal side where you got a big heavy tombstone. Now you got all these heavy vices. You're over the limit of your machine table. Totally. I mean, we did a story together because you faced that problem. I did face that problem. And so it's like everything needs to get lighter. And I was just talking to Eric. Why don't you talk about what, what you just said about things getting lighter and, and the kind of why they why they need to? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, if you look at the natural trend of the industry, I mean, everybody's talking about automation right now, right? Yeah, and huge, huge. For machine tool tending, you really have your two basic options, which would be a, a workpiece exchange system, which typically would involve like a hydraulic or a pneumatic vice that is a fixed component in the machine tool. Mm -hmm. And then your robotic arm, you know, your end effector, it's kind of specific to a particular material type, size, and shape, and you're just exchanging that part. Right. Those speak really good in high volume, you know, low mix scenarios. But, you know, for, for medium runs, smaller runs, maybe even job shop, people start getting into fixture exchange. Most popular is probably like integrated pallet exchange, right? Right. Yeah. But you see a lot of companies starting to actually kind of get into how do we, can we just swap out the whole vice? Because it's, it's beautiful because the robotic arm doesn't care what you put in the vice. Oh, you're, you mean the modularity aspect of how easy it is to take the vice from the work plate to the bench. Is yeah, what you mean, or mm -hmm. back and forth. I'm either going to exchange the work piece, the material, right, in in the vice, right. That's what the robots, or the do. whole the whole thing, or the whole fixture right. setup. Yeah, right. absolutely, right. right. Well, then weight becomes a concern, right? Of because course. As the weight goes up, the higher payload robot is required. And if you've looked at robots, every time the payload goes up, the price goes up. And there's like a specific jumping point too, where it's like once you hit a certain thing, the price goes way up. Right. And, it, you know, it's, it speaks to weight, but it also speaks to compactness, right? Like you guys hit on some great things, you know, talking about those traditional bulky fixed jaw vices. But, you know, when you start thinking in, in more than three axis, right? So if we think four and five axis, mm -hmm. then accessibility to the workpiece becomes so important. Being able to 
access all five sides in the part with like reasonable tool lengths and without sacrificing rigidity, without sacrificing that clamping force, you know? Right. That becomes, you know, really where, where the, the fifth axis vices start to take off. Not jeopardizing clamping force, but giving you that accessibility. You know, the other key component is usually how quick we can pick up that workpiece in the vise. And once we incorporate a center of rotation into that mix, there's a whole challenge for kind of having that fixed jaw vise where self-centering is nice because we're actually kind of centering that workpiece over the zero point, you know, right. or over center of rotation. So so let's talk a little bit about this technical stuff because I, sure. I want to tell you yesterday in, in advance of this. Yeah, I gave you a little homework assignment. Oh, yeah. Nick gave me a little homework assignment. and I So I have, full disclosure, I have not been on the shop floor in front of a machine cutting metal in about at least 10, 12, 13 years whatever. So I really didn't have the opportunity to work with this new high-tech work-holding systems because they are a system nowadays. Absolutely. So all I know are those clunky, chunky, heavy, you know... Dinosaur vices. Yes, dinosaur. <laughs> That's what I we call them. They're multiple brands Yeah, going back, you know, into the 80s that, you know... But there, there are many of those. Not that they were bad. No. Because they got the job done at the time, but... We've I mean, just, everyone has a couple dinosaur vices, right? right? We've evolved in an industry, you know, as the technology aspect, the CNC technology, so is our work holding. So what I would probably would have imagined is this idea, this vision from those owners back in 2004 was, how can we get multiple parts on a small table and machine as that in the easiest setup possible? And- that's why they came up with this compact design of the work holding. So last night, I sat down with my guys and I said, you know, can you give me a little bit of insight into Fifth Axis and what are the key characteristics of the things that you like about them? So I'm just going to read them off and we can maybe touch on a little bit about it because it's some, it's some really interesting. That sounds great. The fact that they're self-centering is big deal. The change out ability. So from what I understand, the jaws are... L-shaped jaws that mount vertically, that you can flip them from the inside to the outside yep. to increase, what do they call that, the, the mouth? clamping range. The so, clamping range. Yeah, reversible jaws. Yep, so you have forward or reverse facing. So Eric, so it's on a typical five-inch wide fifth axis vise with the jaw L like this. If we flip those around, what does that increase as far as width? That would be your maximum clamping range then, right? So most of your vices, so like if you look at like our V510, that item number is indicating essentially that it's a five-inch wide vice with a 10-inch clamping range. But to gotcha. achieve maximum clamping range, right. you're reversing that jaw. You're reversing the jaw. Yeah, exactly. So the 10 is only possible with the With the jaw reversed, right. absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that I that I think was brilliant was the design of the jaw. So it's a dovetail design with serrations, right? And it's hardened in ground. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so here's a technical question. Sure. What kind of material are those jaws made from, and what is the Rockwell that they're hardened to? It's high quality tool steel, and the jaw is going to be hardened to about fifty five Rockwell. 55 Rockwell. Okay. Yeah. Because there's nothing better. We know that dovetail design is imperative for getting the most cl maximum clamping when you want to do it. Nowadays, the trend, and it has been for a while now, is all really quick, right? We take very small cuts yeah. and we go really fast. Yep. So we need that, that clamping strength on the piece part. 
Well, I think the versatility it gives you is also an awesome, you know, point for a manufacturer because, you know, at 55 Rockwell, that means that materials that are like 35 Rockwell or softer, we can just pop them in there and use the two serrations to clamp. But the dovetail, having the dovetail present also eliminates any sort of hardness sealing. Because anything oh. north of 35, we're just going to cut the dovetail and clamp on that. And it also gives you great access, better access than tooth serrations can give you. Because now the whole workpiece is sitting up above the vise. Yeah. All five sides, one operation. Yeah, you waste a lot less material. Absolutely. We'll include this in the boring bar for anyone who gets our newsletter. But there's some pictures that really describe this well. I'm showing Jim here on uh, on the screen. You know, half of the workpiece is waste when you're when you're machining everything around with traditional jobs. Yeah, right? and how many times you have to flip that part? Right. You know, think about how many times you handle that part to hit all the sides. Well, if yes, if you're in a five axis. Right. But traditional, you know, three axis machining was just, you know, clamp it, hit that side, unclamp it, flip it, yeah. clamp it, pick it up again, reprogram it. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Nick. We have a blog, Work Holding Wisdom, where we'll write about like the different technologies that we have or our partners have and just try to Make people better at work holding. That's essentially it. And there's something about how to correctly use dovetail that you guys talk about a right. lot. And it's where you're clamping on the dovetail. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, because that that's new to me. That that's all new technologies that you're you, you're using. Yeah, we actually offer like an easy downloadable dovetail troubleshooting guide. Yes, and it's a list of common mistakes. You know, and usually it's. It's where contact is initially being made on the dovetail itself, right? Yeah. So if your dovetail's too deep and it's bottoming out on the cover, then you're not getting a good, you know, your surfaces aren't mating properly. Mm-hmm. Or what'll happen is if your if your angles are slightly off, then you can actually kind of go up and instead of instead of the, you know, the surfaces mating, you're actually impacting the dovetail in an area where it's not designed to be impacted instead of in that, in that corner, you know, all our dovetails are 45 degree at fifth axis. So right. you're either too high or too low and it just affects the rigidity of the clamp. That's not a standard clamp. dovetail angle though. It's standard it's dovetail is 60. Well, yeah. You know, for, for some I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that it was Absolutely. 45. Yeah. I, I think 45 is popular, 60. And then of course you have the, the Picatinny rail, which mm-hmm. is a popular but yeah, it's really important to have the right depth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. The most when we get the calls, usually that's the most common issue with the dovetail is it's too tall and it's bottoming out on the fixture. So really not getting those surfaces mating because it's it's just uh, it's impacting in the wrong position. Again, we'll show that picture in the boring bar. That's when we send that's it. important because this man. is one of those things where you see it, you're like, oh, I get it, and it's kind of hard to describe with audio. So yeah, for sure, one of the reasons why we have the newsletter. Another thing, too, I would think is, you know, I remember like those old dinosaurs used to be underneath the bench, down at the bottom. <laughs> I mean, literally, I mean, you you had to be pretty strong. If you had to put six-inch vices on a machine, you know, that's a lot of weight that you're throwing up there, right? Not the most ergonomic, for Not sure. For sure. All these skinny jeans millennials can't lift up these <laughs> those old vices like they used well, to, right? It, it's definitely the compactness of the design really, really, really is what it is. It does. And I mean, you know, you also have to consider, you know, the, the work envelopes are shrinking in a lot of machines, you know, so it's nice to not have to eat all that up with work holding. Right. So you and I are both in sales leadership roles. Yeah. And... So I want to get a little bit outside of the product itself and talk about kind of the... Oh, we're going back to it. Yeah, that's, let's do it. <laughs> but talk a little bit about, okay, how has selling and, and promoting and demonstrating vices changed over the years? And what are some of the innovations that Fifth Axis has done for that? 
That's a great question. You know, one of the things that has been really great about the Fifth Axis product line is when you do walk in the door, because we also have the zero point offerings, and then we also have, you know, just straight dovetail holders, round bar stock holders, adapters for existing fixtures they might have. You really are selling an entire manufacturing system, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's been kind of cool to kind of go in there and and be as close to a one-stop shop as someone's going to get for all their work holding needs, right? right? And, you know, one of the things that really changed for me when I got to Fifth Axis was the ability to to really give our customers a shop-wide integration, right? For some of the, the really higher-end expensive stuff, you walk into a facility and you might get on their new, brand new five-axis machine, but you can't really justify the costs on like their three-axis mills, right? Right. Or their fourth-axis rotaries, or maybe even like from a measuring standpoint. And what the fifth line really has done I mean, just the the selection and some of the different offerings available is we could walk in there and really give that customer, you know, we can help you in any manufacturing. Yeah, you sell the cutters to cut the dovetail. Even. Absolutely. You know, you're not just like locked into just clamping the work. Right. Here's a vice. The rest is your problem. And then the other thing I noticed about you guys is like the digital experience. So, yeah. you know, everything we do is designed around a machine tool, right? If you don't have a machine tool, you probably don't need a fifth axis vice. Right. And so we're, we're doing something similar where on the Amrock site, you can go and say, okay, this is the machine tool I have. Uh, it's this make and model. And then it'll say like, here's the tombstones that fit, or here's the subplate that fits the table. And you guys take it a step further where you could put machine tool, make and model, and then what else? Like, how does that configure yeah. the thing work? The 3D compatibility tool on, our, on, on the Fifth Axis website is, I think, bar none, probably the best tool any work holding company has available to, to the general manufacturing industry today. I mean, to be able to go there, because if you open our catalog, and let's say you try to figure out what rock lock base you need for your machine tool, I mean, very few people who've never looked at this type of system before can go, you know, through our catalog and be like, oh, that's the make and model I need because you have to factor in, you know, outer diameter, mounting board configurations, you know, and then of course- Devils in the details, right? Devils in the details, yeah. yeah you I know, agree. So our configurator, the 3D compatibility tool, really allows people to go in there and just three drop-down boxes. We basically not only offer them, okay, these are the these are the bases that work on this machine, but then we create a three-dimensional rendering form right there. They can download all the models they need if they want to add other components to that fixture stack, like a vise or a dovetail holder. They simply click on the picture of that product and it automatically populates it. Cool. So I mean, so you can download the whole assembly, throw your workpiece in, and start. Start programming. See, for me, when we started doing CAD, when we started offering CAD for all of our products on our site, the traffic just went through the roof. Everyone, they just want to get the CAD and plug it into whatever they're working on. Right. right? And so it just went through the roof for us. But again, like that doesn't mean they don't ask us questions. The devil's in the details. There's so many things that go beyond just like having the models. So, Jim, let's talk about, let's get technical. Yeah, let's get technical. So there's times where your team just knows what they need and they just say, hey, we got to buy this, right? Well, they don't know what they don't know. Sure. So that's the first and foremost, you know, the our veteran machinists always go back to the old 70-pound clunker, right? Because that's what they know. That's what they're used to. That makes them, they're in their comfort zone, right? Sure, sure. It's when they go to a self-centering compact vice that with hardened serrated jaws in it, that's when they get confused. Or like a quick change thing. I don't know if you guys are, are you using any of the rock lock where there's those knobs on the bottom of the fifth axis? Probably in our fifth axis, yeah. right? Because there's a riser above the yeah, platter, absolutely. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the fifth axis sits on that. Yeah. Right. So right. that sounds like- Is that are. called a rock lock? Yeah. So th- there's basically like four retention knobs in each corner of the vise. And right. th- those go into the receiver on the rock lock base. Right. And with one quick turn, you can you know, suck zero it down, point yeah. suck it down, right? Yeah. 
So you get like an 80% reduction in setup times. Yeah, those. I'm sure we yeah. have that. I just don't know for but sure. There's, I can't there's validate kind of a, that. There's a leap in, okay, uh, obviously we can understand that that's better, but I think there's some perceived friction from the veteran machinist who's like, okay, I want to move to that, but I don't know what I don't know. I don't want to buy a bunch of stuff that I don't know how to use. So how do, how do we get that information to them to change their mind? That's the key thing. That's honestly the toughest part. That is the selling part. work holding in this business. Yeah, yeah, is convincing you know the old guard that the new way is just as good, if not better. Well, it's definitely better. I can tell you, you know, that. Absolutely, so we've talked about that before. Like our biggest competitor isn't another work holding integrator. Our biggest competitor is the status quo. Yeah, you know, just not changing, like buying more of what they're used to, and so that's like the whole job of the Amrock team is to be like, okay, I understand what you're doing. Again, like our workholding brand was born from us being a shop, so I understand what you're doing. Uh, have you thought about it this way? Have you have you heard of this technology? We we don't start by pushing a bunch of product features and benefits. We start by understanding the problem, the process. Yeah, the exactly. process. What, yeah. what are you machining? What what are your production requirements? What's the material? What challenges have you had in the past? Right. And then once they start answering those questions, we can make a recommendation. Like, hey, you know what? The rock lock system is going to be perfect for that. Or what about this self-centering vice or this gets you extra draw stroke or, you know, this is how to cut a dovetail. We think that's your problem. Yeah. So we sell the modularity of everything a lot. I mean, right. that's what really kind of comforts those guys is when you kind of let them know that, I mean, as long as we get the the base correct and we'll help you yeah. make sure you get it correct. The rest is, it's like Legos. You literally cannot mess it up. It's impossible to paint yourself in a corner. And when it's done right, Modular work holding, I mean, the sky's the limit. You oh. know, uh, Nick brought, was talking about those re those retention knobs. Well, you can just buy those and you can put those retention knobs into those old bulky vices if you want. So especially when we walk into like a new customer, giving them that, you know, hey, everything that you bought, every dedicated fixture you've made up to this point doesn't become obsolete. No, no, no. no. We enhance it because right. now it's quick exchange. Yeah. Now, right. You'll never tram one of those vices in again. Yeah, exactly. You just machine I, whatever you want. I would still be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> if, Most if are. I were to go out to a machine and say, <laughs> you're just going to take this and you're going to drop it on that plate and it's going to be, you're going to- Less than three tenths. I can't believe that. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, Absolutely. If you, if you got the I would on, get my end to call out for sure. <laughs> and you should. <laughs> you totally I remember should. You were a little uncomfortable when you first bought that horizontal. You were moving from vertical to horizontal. Right. And you, you were like, hey, can you come in? And we sat there for how long? A long time. And, right. And good old Uncle Alvin answered all of your questions. He and, did. And then by the end of it, I think you felt a lot more at ease. Well, we went to the rail system, which made me, it's just the same cons. It's it's kind of the it's same modular. concept. Yeah, modularity. Modularity yeah. and just compactness, I think. Because nowadays, the, the tool is moving around the part all the time, right? So you can't have any interference no. in that. So you everything's got to be low profile and out of the way. I really understand this in the fifth axis environment where you have the platter, you have your riser, and you have your vice up. And it's sitting up about, what, four, five, six inches? Usually, okay. yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, but if you flip that 90 degrees, you can't get a tool. If you have a 20-inch platter and the diameter of the part you're working on is only four or five inches, you got to overcome that platter, right. right? So you need to get away from it. Yep. So that, I understand, that makes all the sense in the world. Yep. 
got to have access to the workpiece. You do. Absolutely. You do. Yeah. And it's you don't want to have to get like these extremely long tools and that's no, complicated. There goes your rigidity, There's right? your rigidity. has gone, yeah. And excuse my ignorance, but I'm no. sure fifth axis has more than just four, five, six inch self-centering vices too. You have a lot more offerings than that. Just yeah. That. Well, like we talked, you know, the rock lock bases are, are one of our more popular items. We have dovetail holders. We have like some cool things where, you know, I don't think a lot of the other modular work holding companies are working on, which is, you know, how can we help our customers? Like I, like I said before, in like a three axis machine, you know, how can we help you know, get a better return on that machine? So sure. angle plates, things that allow you to kind of almost recreate you know, multiple access machining sure. on your three, you know? And we've done a lot of stuff with another build on the rock partner, Martin Trunnion. Sure. Where yeah. like they've got a, you know, Haas VF4 or whatever. They want that fourth rotational axis. So we'll design and integrate the whole thing. And then I'll purchase the fifth axis vices from you as an integrator, plug it all in, totally turnkey the whole thing, ship it to the customer. They're ready to put it on their machine and go. Yeah. So that's, that's another common thing is like, okay, getting a fourth axis just by adding a rotary table to you know, a standard vertical. Right. And then you see the natural kind of transition for this modular work holding, you know, is, is going to be machine tool tending. So it's kind of cool to look at our whole our whole product offering and you can just naturally see the evolution into automated loading and unloading of those fixtures. Right. You know. Whether it's, like you mentioned before, whether you're loading or unloading the workpiece or loading and unloading the fixture or the vice. Right. Yeah. So there's just so many different ways. What's the thought care. process in mounting that L-shaped jaw vertically versus this traditional way of mounting it horizontally? Do you know what I mean? You mean like on a tombstone versus a no, 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 no. plate? So from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the L-shaped jaw that goes into a fifth axis vise, it is, it's mounted with a screw vertically, right? Yes. Does it clamp? And... On a, a traditional dinosaur, the jaw, the hardened jaw, is mounted. I know what you're talking about. And counterboard horizontal. Sure. What is what is the mindset about doing it that way versus doing it that way? Great and question. It could be because of the modularity and the versatility of the jaw. But go ahead. Great question. So with our design. That is basically there so that you can reverse the jaw quickly mm -hmm. without having to take what we call it a truck, right? So the part of the jaw that's responsible for moving it up and down the vice base is also responsible for the repeatability of the vice, how well it centers. Totally. So if you have to take that off the lead screw and then kind of reposition it or recalibrate it, it can create an issue for some people. Okay. So there are companies with vices similar to ours where it's it's very similar to like what you're describing uh, where, where it all loads horizontally. The reason we do the top down is so the, that the end user never has to take those trucks off of the vice base. They never have to worry about recentering it. And then just a few cap screws, and they could reverse that hard jaw, but they could also replace it with like a machinable soft jaw, you know, our anti-lift system. Got it. So it just gives them the ability to be able to change that out very quickly without, I mean, you know, a fifth axis vice, you have, like Nick was talking about, we have the, the retention knobs for our rock lock base, but you also have the ability to mount that vice directly to a pallet mm -hmm. with no retention knobs. Right. So if you could imagine if you had... How, how would you clamp it? Right. There's two counterbores right on the top of the vice. Okay. Oh, I've seen... Yes, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Like for what, a 3.816? A half 13 spaced at 4-inch or an M12 at 100 millimeter. So that counterbore serves both. That's really important. So That's, that's super why important. Why is that important? So 
the industry standard in North America for spacing is like a two inch grid system. Okay. That's I, why the majority of the grids that we sell are on a two inch spacing. Okay. It fits the most stuff. When you go to certain European brands, they're all on like 50 millimeter instead of two inch. Okay. Which doesn't quite match up. Well, 100 millimeters is about 3.9 inches. So 50 millimeters would be what? 1.8 something? 50 millimeters? Yeah. yeah. So 100 millimeters is 3.9. And we're talking like a precision, you know, the, you, yeah, you know used our mean. precision dial yeah, screws that go yeah. through sure. into the grid, right? Of course. And so with fifth axis, whether you're on imperial or metric. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The bore is designed to take either. Ah, there we go. So let's say you wanted to just mount and unmount fifth axis vices onto a Amrock tombstone. Okay. You don't have to like get a bunch of those rock lock bases on the tombstone in that case. You can just use our precision dowel screws that go through the vice into the tombstone or subplate, whether it's vertical or horizontal, and just mount the vice directly. And then that's pretty easy to quick change, just two, two screws. Right, right. So you save some money. Right, but if it's on the horizontal, and let's say you don't want to pull the whole vice off to just switch the hard jaws with some soft jaws, that's also the benefit of having those vertical mounted cap screws. Got it, got it. Interesting. Either or is awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And that's one of the things that we love about Fifth. Anything new in the design phase that you're coming out with soon? Yeah, I mean, so our new modular automation components released this year. So it just, I mean, it's the existing fixtures that our customers are, you know, used to using, relying on, you know, and just basically adding, adding some transport cleats to the side of the, of, of the fixture that allows a robotic gripper to, to move it where it needs to go. So that's really well, that's exciting. that's good that you're, you're thinking ahead a couple of years because robotic technology is, I mean, it's coming Quick. fast. Absolutely. It's really coming I mean, fast. Yeah. yeah. And we wanted to give our, so that's, you know, going back to talking about the old guard, right? We wanted to give our existing customers a way to get into that without having to reinvest, you know, another 10, 15,000 in work holding that's automatable, right? Well, I'll tell you what, how they would understand it because I understand it. So we, us veteran machinists understand sublates, right? We've been using mm-hmm. sublates forever. It's just a little, the technology is a little bit better now. We also understand precision. You know, there's a precision center distance. And then if we pin those down, we pin your vice down, we get that. So if you can work off that concept, that is, that is something that a veteran guy is going to understand right away. There's no smoke and mirrors there. Right. So you, you've now added the, you called them cleats. Yeah. And that's where the robot's end effector can grab the vice and, and exactly. you know, load Grab it, it off a shelf or wherever you store that fixture with the workpiece preloaded. So if I have old vices that don't have the cleats, how do I, can I like retrofit them to? Absolutely. There you go. Yep. So now we'll you, be able to now you don't have to make a crazy that. new investment and exactly. buy all new stuff. Exactly. All your vices just for a, a few bucks become automatable. And that, I think that's going to appeal to most of our base. Because I think that, you know, most people understand, like you said, Jim, it's coming and you need to look at some level of factory automation over the next. Not only that, it's the pricing is just like really dropping. I know I, Haas right now is offering a robotic solution. They'll sell you the CNC machine tool with the robotic integration as a package now. Yeah. You, that's you what see I that saw. with a lot of the builders. Yeah. 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 Robot in a box. Yeah. Robot in a right. box. Yep. So, okay. I want to explain to our audience how to get the fifth axis product. So let's say they want just to buy vices. I can't go to Amazon. They know what they need. Tell them, how, how do you, how do I get a fifth axis product and how do I get a fifth axis like full turnkey solution? Well, I mean, we've got a number of, of, of ways you can do that, right? So the best place probably to go would be to fifthaxis.com. 
And, you know, if you want to just try a vice or maybe you just need a few, you know, secondary products, you do have the ability now to buy on our website. But you also can go to like the find a dealer or find a distributor portion of our website. It's right at the top of the page. You can't miss it. And the the find a rep, you know, kind of allows you to find one of our one of our certified factory reps in your area that could come out and walk you through the more technical aspects of the product if you had questions. The find a distributor is pretty simple. You punch your... Uh, your zip code in, and it'll give you the authorized resellers that are near you. So that's usually the best place to start. Gotcha. And then what if somebody wants more than just a vice, right? They want the full work holding solution. Do you guys do like design and build type stuff for that? No, no. We, we usually rely on guys like you for that, Nick. You know, we've got some great partnerships. And when people want to take, like they want to take advantage of the modularity of our work holding, but then they want to incorporate into something like, you know, something that like AME makes. That's why we have those partnerships in place. But we, we don't get into too much custom stuff. Gotcha. Keep the R&D focused on the vice. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, just keep production. You know, the, the fifth axis, pretty popular Fox. stuff, flies off the shelf. Yeah. Focus on the niche, what they're good at doing. Right. Yeah. Right. We hear that a lot. You know, it's like, man, this guy's going to use our products, but he needs a lot more. He needs, you got to make something, you got to make this, you got to make a tombstone, you got to make a special plate, you got to do whatever. And, and I'm like, we want that. And they're like, you want that? It's all yours. Like we'd love to just sell to you as an integrator. Absolutely. So, so I think that's why the relationship works out so well. So, Jim, you got a final take. I do. I do. I and I want, first of all, I want to thank you for driving out here today and sitting down with us and and talking about this new technology that everyone's using or and or should be using by yeah, now. It's, it's been great. My pleasure. Thank you, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, my takeaway is, well, first I love the story. I love how there was this one or two man CNC machine shop in San Diego, California, that was doing their thing, right? 2004. 2004. I mean, and they need, they had a problem. They, they had a problem and they were probably pretty technical guys. And they said, you know, what if we make our own work holding and boom, it worked and it worked well. And then other people started to see that and they thought, well, this is a transition period for us. Much like our friends at Pro Shop, they were running a machine shop. That's a perfect example. Right. They were running a machine shop. They could not find an off-the-shelf ERP system to work well with what they were doing. It just, the language didn't connect. There wasn't aligned. It wasn't dovetailed correctly, right? Most shops have to adjust the way they work to fit their ERP system. They yes. were like, why don't we design an ERP system to support the way we work? And it was magic. So right. they sold the machine shop and now all they're doing is selling. Well, at ERP. first it was just theirs, right? Same thing with Fifth Axis. They were just making their own vices. Same thing with us. We were making our own grid plates just right. because it helped our own, our own shop. And then they're like, this has some legs, like other people need this. <laughs> and boom, now you've got a product. Yeah. Because at the end of the day? Well, if you don't know how to hold a good part, then you can't make chips. And if you can't make chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com.
Jim, let's talk about what technologies are being featured on IMTS Spark. You can quickly find content geared towards specific technologies and solutions featuring live demos, exhibits, and more. They look great. They are software, additive, CAD CAM, cleaning, controls, inspection, materials, and machining centers, all things that we're well aware of. But there's more, Jim. There is. And there's a bunch of stuff that me as an industrial supply guy, I'm familiar with. Automation, boring, cutting tools, drilling, fabricating, forming, measuring, milling, turning, and work holding. You forgot grinding. Oh, and grinding. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And there's more. So go to imts.com slash spark to find out about all these new technologies.